right, we're on Money Talk, and we've got a fully loaded studio in Admiralty. I'm looking at uh, Andrew number two of the day, Andrew Sullivan, founder of Asian Market Sense. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning. Great to see you, and we have Sam Favreau, the Chief Executive Officer of Mandarin Capital. Thanks for coming on, Sam. Good morning, Andrews. <laughs> Gentlemen. All right, guys, uh, the big news, obviously, is a debt ceiling deal. Uh, I'm guessing this hasn't isn't priced into the market because it seems like every time we, we got some kind of news about it was moving forward, it wasn't moving forward, the markets would move. What are you guys expecting today now that we seem to have a tentative deal that they're confident will pass? Well, I think the market never repriced the default, so there will probably be a bit of relief, but I don't think it will be a major change for the trend. Uh, I think the markets will start reshifting re- re- to fundamental issues like CPI or uh, slowing slowing economics. So probably a small relief, but I don't think it will be major for the region, certainly. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, it was, this was a big America thing rather than an Asian thing, I think, in many respects. So, uh, you know, I think people will look more at the industrial numbers out of China um, that we got out on Saturday uh, and, and the uneven recovery there. And, you know, we've got Chinese stocks still trading at five-month lows. So people are still concerned more about China, I think, than the what was considered to be a sort of false worry about the U.S. debt. Mm, okay, well, let's talk about those numbers coming out of China. Uh, industrial profits down dramatically. Uh, what, what other numbers? Are you looking at those numbers specifically, or what else are you looking at? Well, this week we've got you know, some PMI data coming out later in the week, and I think that will be closely followed. Um, yeah, there's still that uneven, uh, uncertain recovery. And yeah, I mean, plus, plus slowing exports, and uh, you will also have some incre- increasing CPI numbers again in, uh, in the U.S., so there's plenty of worry uh, forward for the region. I think the monetary policy has been more or less priced for coming to a stop in terms of tightening, and that might not be the case, so there's some headwinds again. Yeah, and I mean, do you see any reversal of fortune in, you know, so the industrial numbers came out over the weekend, whether it was computer makers or steel, I mean, everybody seems to be taking a hit. Um, uh, Or should we be expecting to hear about job losses in China, or do they not make announcements like, like, for example, the American tech sector was doing at the end of last year? I don't think you're going to hear about job losses, but, you know, we've got that underlying problem about youth unemployment uh, with the new set of graduates due to come out in a couple of months. Um, And, uh, you know, you've got the situation of, you know, we've still got the debt problem on the property sector. We've got increasingly hearing about local authority debt problems. Um, You know, there needs to be some radical policy change, really, in China to to get itself out of this position. Mm -hmm. That's also coupled with uh, external, you know, people moving out of China, so they can't rely on foreign, uh, foreign investments to on foreign exports with slowing economies worldwide to actually start reboosting this. So you need to see something from the policy side, you need to see something from the monetary side. I mean, the Chinese uh, central bank has been fairly quiet on that front. So let's see what is going to happen in China for the next uh, two to three months. I, I, I'm going to press you a little bit on this, because I mean, with, the, with these manufacturers announcing, so, you know, for example, Lenovo is taking a beating. Uh, demand for the computers are down. If you're a tech company, outside of China, uh, you make a big announcement, we're cutting, you know, 10, 5, 10%, 20, 15, 20% of our staff, and boom, share price goes up. Um, everybody's happy because it looks like you're tackling the problem. But I mean, that's not so much the case in China. I mean, would, you know, would, would there be job losses, but there wouldn't be announcements because they would try to do it as quietly as possible um, because of political considerations. I mean, they don't really have that, that kind of latitude to get a big bump in their share price by announcing no, job I think- cuts, do they? 
I mean, I think you get a lot of the time it's probably considered an official secret if you're cutting jobs. Um, with the tightening of the security laws, you know, that there's a lot of information that China just doesn't want people to get hold of. Mm. Um, but the reality as well is that domestic consumption in China hasn't picked up as much as we thought it would. I mean, you you'd definitely have a dual economy where the rich people are, are well off and still able to spend. But COVID really hit the, the, the lower classes and has eaten into their spending and their, their savings so that their spending has been cut uh, and they've got less job security. So, you know, they're just not going out and spending. Yeah. Sam, uh, I mean, how much latitude does a private sector have to, to make changes that you know, could make them more productive? Well, I think the whole the two systems are very different between the US and Chinese. I mean, it's very micro level oriented in the US where shareholders value creation is the focus. And that's not the case in China. And you've seen that for a very, very long term. You just look at the S&P over the last 20 years and you look at the Chinese or the Hong Kong market for the last 20 years and you can see the amount of value creation given back to the shareholders. It's obviously completely different. So it's not really a question of latitude. It's the, basically the targets of the systems are completely different and that's inherently systemic to the system. Mm -hmm. So I don't think you will see that as the, you know, as the goal of, of those companies, especially there where has been a lot of uh, government intervention with common prosperity and all this. So the, the goal is not the same. So don't expect the uh, private companies to move towards just trying to boost their share prices because that's not going to be their target. Mm. And I think you've definitely seen that, as Sam was saying, in the fact that it's policy orientated. I mean, a big, ed big employer used to be the education system and that was viewed to be uh, outside of what the, the party wanted to see happen as far as families and pressure went. You saw the same sort of clamp down on the e-commerce sectors. These were big employers, but you know they've been forced to cut because policy has changed. Hmm. And I mean, so I mean, so that you've got that going on in China. But I mean, uh, where, where do we get pickup then? If the Americans are supposedly headed into a recession, China's not performing well. Europe, I mean, where where do you have Europe in your in your sights? Well, I think actually locally, I think Japan is probably one of the places a lot of people are looking at. Mm -hmm. and, and although Korea is closed today, I mean, again, we've seen more foreign investment into Korea recently by investors. Um, and probably Taiwan on the AI and chips, again, being very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sam, J where, where J are you looking? Japan, definitely. And I think it's been underlooked in terms of winner, in terms of relocalization. Everybody has been talking about Vietnam and India for low-level type of uh, of work being relocalized, but it's sort of pretty obvious that a lot of the high-end has moved back to Japan because they've got a skilled workforce, they've got infrastructure, and you can really see the pickup in uh, in Japan. Now, I don't necessarily uh, agree on the U.S. Uh, on the U.S. analysis, whenever you have a slowing economy, that's where the companies have to restructure and make sure their margin and profitability goes up. So a slowing economy is not necessarily that bad in terms of uh, share price performance, especially when it's coupled with um, monetary global policy, well, monetary policy, uh, mm. you know, loosening. Right. And I, I mean, of course, Americans are kind of famous for, for being willing to cut maybe sometimes too much uh, in a downturn. But I mean, they get the job done. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we've got a very interesting situation in the States. I mean, the, the Fed has said it's prepared to accept a slight recession. It's obviously not its intention. But, I mean, they're, they're clearly minded to try and get inflation back under control. Whether 2% is the right level to be targeting, I'm not sure. But, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a mandate there and there's a policy. Um, versus, you know, Japan, where we're looking to see, you know, a change of policy coming through. And it was interesting last week, um, Uedo was mentioning about um, the, the job numbers. And, of course, we get unemployment data out of Japan tomorrow. So that'll be very closely followed. Yep. Well, you have any expectations on that front? 
I think they're going to have to change. I mean, he's reluctant to change in the short term because, you know, twice in the past, the, the BOG's um, raised rates on the, on the basis of inflation being there and then it's been shown to be wrong. So he really doesn't want to make a, a policy error in one of his first meetings. So he's going to wait for all the boxes to be ticked, even if that means he's a bit slow. Mm. Yeah, Sam, you aligned with that? Yeah, completely aligned with this. Even if I we can definitely see pick-up in inflation in Japan, it's pretty obvious when you go over there, so mm. pretty clear. And I, I can't draw you guys at any comments on Europe. Is it just not on your radar? Is it just not interesting these days? Is there anything happening there that uh, you know anybody, anybody should be looking at? Well, that's an interesting one. I don't see a lot of driving uh, source of growth in Europe. That's completely not united. There's no uh, coherent policy between the players. This, the Germany's been slowing, so I mean, to be fa to be fair, it's beyond the radar for most of the people for a reason. So um, yeah, definitely not, a, not something I, not, I don't not, have much to add to this. Not a great, I, not a great place for a whole no. continent. <laughs> well, no, especially as you know, you've got Japan, you know, Germany slowing and and reviewing its relationship with China, which has always been a big export market for Germany. Mm -hmm. um, I think you've got a, a rebalancing, or most of the European countries, you know are focused on trying to get the war in Ukraine sorted out and, and that's also meaning that their, their relationship with China has been strained because of China's willingness to support Putin at least uh, you know, verbally, if not otherwise. Mm -hmm. Plus you still have a macro environment which is bad for Europe, higher inflation than you know, in the US. They still have a lot of work to do, so they're behind the curve on that side. So, yeah, and, and so do you mean you, you think the ECB is going to continue raising rates in that environment? Well, they have to. Yeah, I mean, Lagarde said that. Yeah, okay. Um, and, and Britain, uh, do you guys want to get a little Britain bashing this morning? <laughs> I'm guessing you're not feeling too too good about it. Well, I, I'm not so sure about the UK. I mean, the, you know, the Bank of England has been quite proactive in, in its policies and in, in what it's trying to do. It's admitted that it's made mistakes. Um, so I'm sure we're going to see a little bit more activity there. But, um, you know, again, it's not the country it used to be. So I think it's, again, been reviewed. And, and certainly when you're seeing, you know, companies like Arm, instead of listing in the UK, looking to list in the US, you know, there's some structural changes taking place there. Yeah. And I mean, inflation just refuses to come down in the UK. Why is it still so much higher than, than say, Europe or, or the, you know, US, Canada, Australia, everywhere? I think a lot of that is the fact that we haven't seen, uh, you know, you, you haven't seen wage rises for three years, four years. People through COVID were prepared to, to accept the hardships. Uh, and yet the moment inflation starts to rear its head, then people are very conscious and you get that wage inflation and we've seen strikes and things like that coming through. Um, it, it's just pent up, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sam, are you, are you, do, you figure, do you figure is that it? Is it, is it wage, wage inflation is driving the, uh, the total numbers I, I in the think, UK? I think you have a lot of uh, things driving inflation. Brexit was one of the factors with everything you know, having to be imported uh, with uh, different norms now. So that's creating inflation. Now you also have wages inflation. So I think uh, England is now paying a bit of a price of his um, isolation, to be fair. And that's uh, most likely going to be ongoing for a, lot, for a while. Mm. And I, I don't think they will get out of the inflation on their own. They will have to have the eurozone coming back down a lot sharper for them to be able to tame it. They can't do it on their own. Okay. And, and guys, we've got a couple of minutes left uh, from, from kind of geographical to in, industrial. Are you guys buying into all the AI hype? Is that, is that a sector that you guys are playing into? Or? Well, I think AI is a very broad sector, whether you want to chase NVIDIA chips because they're the current leaders or you want to look at the memory chips that go into it, or even to the fact that you know, these, these uh, large language models
Bulls used a huge amount of power. So again, you know, you can go all the way back to buying into transformer companies and uh, electricity grids because it's going to be an important factor going forwards. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's everything when it's, it's the same as you see when a new technology emerges. Uh, there's a lot of growth around. Uh, there's clearly a big leader in NVIDIA. There will be some disruptive players. I've seen quite a few of them. So it's normal days, uh, some people investing in it. Uh, but I think you have to be selective. It's like every time there's a, you know, as one of these new technologies out, if you just buy abroad, you're most likely to, uh, to lose money. If you buy and you do your research, you will make a lot of money. Mm. Okay. Any, any other sectors that you guys have your eyes on? Well, I think we, we, we've obviously got concerns over the shipping sector. I mean, you know, we saw um, you know, the freight rates go up significantly during COVID. They're coming back down again. You know, we're seeing them stopping making containers because they've got surfeits of numbers of those. So there's a lot of uh, readjustment going on. We're still trying to work out, you know, post-COVID world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Sam, what sectors are you, first of all, on shipping, I have to admit, uh, you know, we used to talk about it a lot. We haven't uh, talked about it much on the show lately, so I'm glad you're bringing it up, Andrew. Sam, is that is that on your radar as well? Shipping is one. Obviously, technology is another one. There's always very interesting technologies there, and I, uh, I think AI is a very interesting one. And then one which is always very interesting, especially with everything that's going on in, uh, in the uh, monetary side, is the banks. I think there's been a, a lot. There's been a lot of activities. There's been a lot of things going on in the banks, and that's going to be a very interesting sector to continue to play. Hmm. Yeah, Andrew. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, the banks certainly in China are going to be uh, looked at carefully, uh, as is the property sector. Still, that's a big overhang for China's recovery, um, mm-hmm. because that will affect you know domestic uh, sentiment and confidence. And without the property sector being you know operating correctly, then it's very difficult to see the rest of the economy recovering. And China does want to go into this tech and higher value, but it, it really can't afford to do that whilst the property sector is languishing. All right, so that's uh, another one that we're going to have to watch out for then, guys. Great to have you both back on the show, and we'll be sure to have you back again soon. That's Andrew Sullivan, founder, Asian Market Sense, and Sam Fever, the chief executive officer at Mandarin Capital. Thanks both for coming on the show today. 